Patriots, assemble! We don't mess around. We don't waste time. Over here at His Hard Line. Let's go! from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Welcome to the show. Let's get started. Greetings and good day to all you ladies and gentlemen out there. I am Jason, your co-host with our sovereign Lord and Savior Christ Jesus at our side because he is the host with the most. He is the most high. He is in charge. He is in the captain's chair. He's at the helm behind the wheel. Therefore, he is steering this great ship through these crazy rough waters that we call life. So welcome to his hard line. Do I got a 5-5 out there? I want to make sure I'm loud and clear. Just want to make sure all is well on the sound end before we continue forward. Let's see. We do great. Good deal. Well, today is Tuesday, September 5th, 2023. I do appreciate that sound check. And you are listening to episode 598, almost to 600 episodes so far. And we are going to be doing the Judiciary Act of 1789, part three this time part three and then we'll be doing a reading out of psalm 69 so real quick daily disclaimer you know how the drill goes i want to clarify that i'm not a doctor holistic health expert financial advisor pastor priest deacon biblical scholar or bar lawyer and i do not possess any titles of nobility or offer any legal advice i do not have a political degree or had any involvement with any unconstitutional three-letter corrupt agencies like the cia or fbi and while i am a member of the michigan general general assembly I do advocate for your participation in your local county general general assembly, and I am not the official face voice of the state, national, or county assembly. And I also want to emphasize that I have no affiliation with other groups who try to mimic the lawful assembly, like the American States Assembly, National Liberty Life Force, Beacon 37, RUSA, and Tactical Civics, or any other organizations outside the Michigan model. I've never participated in any fraudulent status correcting associated with AVR, Bobby Lawrence, and David Strait and Company. And furthermore, I don't endorse or advocate for violence unless you meet me at my doorstep with it. At that point, it would be addressed appropriately. And also, also, I am not a part of any cult and definitely not a Freemason on any level. And please note that the opinions, thoughts, and statements expressed on this platform are solely my own unless otherwise referenced. So there you go. Oh, wow. So that was a, that was always a mouthful. I, you know, I often wonder to myself, why do why don't I just record that and just like speed it up? You know, why don't I just record it and speed it up? I don't know. It just seems more fun to just read it 
differently every day. But anyway, <clears throat> excuse me. Hope everybody's having a good day. I'm going to be a little light on the audio pieces today since we have quite a bit on the Judiciary Act that I want to read. We're going to start with Section 18. I believe it goes to 35 sections. So I do want to try to get through all that later uh, here in the show. So we're not doing a part four. Um, but I do kind of want to address something. So I tell you, it's very, very crazy of what we're dealing with in today's you know climate. You know, Because it seems like we're dealing with some very challenging times, right? Our lives seem to be shrouded with uncertainty. Inflation is rising. And every trip to the grocery store feels like a financial burden, right? And it seems like for some who are living in apartments, the dream of owning a new home can seem distant with the ever-increasing interest rates. And misinformation swirls around us, making it difficult for us to find our way through the chaos as we're trying to search for truth, right? And we're often led down a lot of rabbit holes. And oftentimes we can lose sight of the truth that we were seeking out. It seems like our minds are continuously being contorted with mental gymnastics as we grapple with the relentless barrage of information, right? Stress weighs heavily on us as we struggle to discern who to follow, who to listen to, right? Who to believe, what to believe, especially when we, you know, when the, when the, you know, uh, how do I want to say it? Especially when we're hearing news or, you know, voices out there saying, oh, COVID restrictions are, are looming in the, you know, in the distant real near, or I should say in the real, real, can't even speak today, in the near future here this month. Right. It keeps talking about, oh, we're going to see mask mandates come back. Well, here's the thing. I don't think anybody in America is really going to fall for that nonsense other than maybe the 15 to 20 percent of people. Um, I just don't see that happening. But even during all this turbulence that we seem to be dealing with on a daily basis, right, the daily cost of everything is soaring and uncertainty is casting a shadow over our future. And it's a bit scary for a lot of people right? It's, it's, it's very scary for a lot of people, but here's the beacon of hope. Even during the darkest moments, right? We need to have faith and we need to surrender to God, the father in heaven, because we need to trust that he has our back, right? Guiding us even when the path ahead seems uncertain or obscured. We need to remember that there's hope and with unwavering faith, we will find the strength to overcome, especially as we continue to reassemble our states. Now, here's something interesting. I recently learned today that a Costco expansion that was supposed to occur in my town is now apparently on hold. So I guess the, the city approved of this Costco to be put in our town which is literally would be right behind our subdivision. But apparently they put it on hold. Now, what's also interesting is last week when I was on my work training uh, workshop, uh, we had some uh, a few high-end uh, executives that were there visiting there uh, while we were doing our training, and we were talking and having a Q&A of sorts. And they were saying that uh, they will be, 
not really expanding much either this year going into next year. Like basically we are not going to be expanding our fleets. We're not going to be buying new trailers. We're not really going to be hiring much unless somebody quits or retires. Now I found that pretty interesting because typically these actions, all right, and I'm not a business analyst, so just let me put that out there, but you know, these actions typically suggest that these companies see what's coming and they're battening down the hatches, if you will, right? They're preparing for an economic challenge or challenges and they see it on the horizon. An economic storm, if you will, right? And typically companies will not expand when they see these things in the near future. In fact, when my wife read me the post or shared the post on Facebook about that Costco, somebody who works for a very large corporation said the same thing, that typically when corporations see or sense something economically in the distance, they won't do any expansion, they won't do any uh, growth, none of that. That all kind of comes to a, a halt, if you will. And so I, I say all that because as we navigate through these uncertain waters, if you will, right? the ship that we call life, right? It's essential to be practical in our preparations, right? We need to stock up on essentials like food and cash and precious metals. But above all, the most important thing that we need to do is hold steadfast to our faith. And remember that that alone is the anchor that will keep us grounded when that storm rages around us. Because I do believe it's going to get worse before it gets better. I truly believe that. And this is not the, you know, spread doom and gloom. Make no mistake. I'm trying to make sure that people prepare themselves, get yourselves and your provisions situated. Because we don't know what's coming around the corner. For all we know, something could drop tomorrow and catch us all off guard. I, I don't know. But the important thing that we need to remember is we need to continuously increase our preparations and our provisions and make sure that that's always being uh, a working progress. And so anyway, I say all that, all that to say this, you know, in the face of adversity, we need to remember that our faith is our strongest asset, bar none, right? Not money, not silver, not gold, not our homes, not the cars that we drive, not even the job that we have that provides the income that feeds our families. Our faith is our greatest asset because it's God who provides all things. It's our source of strength and resilience that will see us through even the most challenging times. And so we need to remember to stay strong. We need to believe in the power of faith and we need to keep moving forward with unwavering determination. We do have that resilience to weather these storms and to emerge stronger on the other side. But the question is, do you have the wherewithal? And I'll be honest with you. There are some days where I'm just tired and beaten down and I'm like, I'm over it. I am absolutely over it. And I, I quit. <laughs> I absolutely quit. Give me a beer. I want to forget about reality for a minute, but we can't do that. But I'd be lying if I said I didn't have those moments. Now, what I find interesting, I want to play this one audio piece. I'm just going to play one. Actually, maybe not, that's a lie. I'm going to play two. I'm going to play this one audio piece of these two elitists, and you'll know who, who whose voice it is. In fact, maybe, I don't know, but it's basically what it is. It's Oprah, and maybe you've seen this, Oprah and uh, 
Dwayne The Rock Johnson standing behind her, and they're pleading, asking for money to help the people of Lahaina or, or you know Hawaii in general. But listen to this, okay? Because as people are struggling, these two elitists, these scumbags, have the audacity to try to get their hands out and ask for money when these two are probably billionaires over and over again when you combine their wealth. I mean, Oprah, isn't she the one that would give out free freaking scooters to everybody in her audience back in the day on her show? I mean, and she's asking for money for the people of Hawaii. Get the hell out of here. Listen to this. Listen to this shit. Oh, crap. Sorry. Excuse me. Bad, bad, bad word. Bad word. We were so concerned about what was happening in Maui. You're so concerned about what's happening in Maui that you somehow managed to hire a private firefighting team to protect your land before the fires started. You're so concerned about what's happening in Maui that instead of taking some of that land and housing even a small portion of those displaced people, you've hired a private security team to keep them off your land. You're so concerned about Maui that you simply haven't had time to denounce any of the shady real estate deals which are robbing people of everything they have, you know, like the ones you were involved in that helped you acquire that land for pennies on the dollar of what it was actually worth. You're so concerned about Maui that instead of taking what would amount to a year's salary for you and four or five of your billionaire friends, which could be used to rebuild the entire place in a matter of months, you're jumping on social media and asking the American public, most of whom can't afford to pay their rent right now, to do it for you. You're so concerned about Maui that it's more important that you get social media points than that you help. We were so concerned. Yeah, that's right. We were so concerned about the people of Maui. I'm sure you were, Oprah, as Dwayne The Rock Johnson stands back there behind her like a little puppy dog on a leash. These people disgust me, and they should disgust you, too. These people, yeah, Leslie Liberty nailed it right here in the chat. They're liars. They're liars. They're cheats. They're thieves. Quite frankly, they're treasonous against our country. They are traitors to this country. They're grifters. And these people don't give a flying you-know-what about you or I. See, these people who have screwed the American people, and people around the world for that matter, don't think this is just isolated to America. This, this is a worldwide problem in other countries, Peru, Belize, you know, African countries, different European countries, Canada. I mean, Canada's got their own issues with you know, Trudeau slash Castro Jr. up there. You know, these elites, they want nothing more than to dry, you know, bleed us dry of every resource and asset we have. Remember, like Klaus Schwab says, you will own nothing and be happy. That's what they want for us. Meanwhile, they get richer. This is why we reassemble, folks. This is why we get the power back in our hands. We don't ask for it. We take it back because that's where the power emanates, has emanated all along, is in the people. The Constitution never came about without the people. Just like people never existed without God. You can't have people without God, who is the creator. Well, guess what? Much like the government and the Constitution, you can't have a government and Constitution without the people the creators of the government and the Constitution. And let me remind you that the Constitution binds and shackles these people who work in government. So we got to stop asking and requesting and, oh, pretty please, government, 
big brother government, please, please, please don't take my tax money. No. Damn that. We take it back because it was always originally supposed to be ours to begin with. One other audio piece I want to play is from, the, again, this podcaster that I really actually have been enjoying listening to lately. He is the CEO and owner of uh, Fit Body Bootcamp, uh, Bedros Kulian. I love this, this little learning lesson here. Learn to edit or eliminate your relationships. Listen. Maybe. When I worked with my therapist, I learned very quickly that you can't help everybody in your life. Some people just want to stay average and they want to blame everybody else. If only the president was better, if only the economy was better, if people didn't, if China wouldn't, they'd rather point to all the different things that they can't control as a reason why they are suffering in silence. Because when we say that we are in control and take personal responsibility and focus on self-mastery, that's when the buck stops with you. And he goes, not everyone's ready to make that commitment. You've have to learn to edit or eliminate some relationships. Maybe the people that you used to hang out with, maybe you're not going to be hanging out with these people anymore and create a new network of people that you want to aspire to be like. Some people, you might have to edit a relationship. There might be family members who you love, who you spend time with, but they're not ready to evolve. They're not ready to change. And so you have to edit that relationship and maybe not talk to them about the things that you are doing in your life that's making you better. And so you might need to just talk about superficial stuff. That's right. And this is one of the reasons why my wife and I struggle to hold really many friendships. Not that we're not uh, friendly people, but because it's hard to have a superficial relationship where you're just talking about nonsense. It really is. It, it really is challenging because it's like, you know, what do you talk about? You know, when, when you, when you are surrounded by people who don't know what the heck is going on, like, what do you talk about? Oh, the sport, you know, sports, the weather, Oh, I can't believe so-and-so did not abide by the HOA rules and she leaves her trash can out more than two days. How dare she? I mean, these are the kind of conversations that just drive me up a wall. And so we've had to learn to edit our relationships with people, right? Now, it's not saying that we don't talk to these people. Like Nancy says, you got to keep planting seeds. Yeah, we definitely do that, but we definitely are also not having social hour and spending hours on end some evenings with these people because quite frankly eh, don't really feel like it you know it's just it, it gets exhausting you know so you, you have to know when to cut your losses and you also need to know where to invest your time and your conversations with people who you know are starting to lend a little bit more of an ear to you right they're like oh you know tell me more about this assembly what's going on like i'm paying attention Jason, but you know, uh, there's some things that just don't add up. You, spend more time with those people who want to know a little bit more, right? But those who poo poo you, eh, you know, you could keep planting seeds, but I wouldn't invest too much time because again, they might not just be, you know, they might not be ready to evolve. As he just said, you know, they might not be ready to evolve in that thought process. Right. And so you just gotta just, you know, just again, watch how, who and what you surround yourself with. Now, the next thing I want to get into, let's get into the reading, okay? And then we'll get into the Judiciary Act of 1789. All right, so Psalm 69 is what we're reading. And again, it's another long one like yesterday, but we're going to power through it here, all right? 
And it says, Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the deep mire where there is no standing. I have come into deep waters where the floods overflow me. I am weary with my crying. My throat is dry. My eyes fail while I wait for my God. Those who hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of my head. They are mighty who would destroy me, being my enemies wrongfully. Though I have stolen nothing, I still must restore it. O God, you know my foolishness, and my sins are not hidden from you. Let not those who wait for you, O Lord God of hosts, be ashamed because of me. Let not those who seek you be confounded because of me, O God of Israel, because for your sake I have borne reproach. Shame has covered my face. I have become a stranger to my brothers and an alien to my mother's children, because zeal for your house has eaten me up and the reproaches of those who reproach who, who reproach you have fallen on me. When I wept and chastened my soul with fasting, that became my reproach. I also made sackcloth my garment. I became a byword to them. Those who sit in the gate speak against me, and I am the song of the drunkards. But as for me, my prayer is to you, O God, in the acceptable time, O God, in the multitude of your mercy. Hear me in the truth of your salvation. Deliver me out of the mire and let me not sink. Let me be delivered from those who hate me and out of the deep waters. Let not the flood water overflow me, nor let the deep swallow me up and let not the pit shut its mouth on me. Hear me, O Lord, for your loving kindness is good. Turn me according to the multitude of your tender mercies and do not hide your face from your servant, for I am in trouble. Hear me speedily. Draw near to my soul and redeem it. Deliver me because of my enemies. You know my reproach, my shame, and my dishonor. My adversaries are all before you. Reproach has broken my heart, and I am full of heaviness. I looked for someone to take pity, but there was none. And for comforters, but I found none. They also gave me gall for my food, and for my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. Let their table become a snare before them and their well-being a trap. Let their eyes be darkened so that they do not see and make their loins shake continually. Pour out your indignation upon them and let your wrathful anger take hold of them. Let their dwelling place be desolate. Let no one live in their tents, for they persecute the ones you have struck and talk of the grief of those you have wounded. And iniquity to their iniquity, and let them not come into your righteousness. Let them be blotted out of the book of the living, and not be written with the righteous. But I am poor and sorrowful. Let your salvation, O God, set me up on high. I will praise the name of God with a song, and will magnify him with thanksgiving. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or bull, which has horns and hooves. The humble shall see this and be glad, and you who seek God, your hearts shall live. For the Lord hears the poor and does not despise his prisoners. Let heaven and earth praise him, the seas and everything that moves in them. For God will save Zion and build the cities of Judah, that they may dwell there and possess it. Also, the descendants of his servants shall inherit it, and those who love his name shall dwell in it. And that is the reading of Psalm 69. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, this passage expresses exceptionally deep emotions of distress and suffering, right? 
we're hearing a longing for God's salvation and deliverance. It's a plea of sorts, right, for help and a reflection of the psalmist trusting God's mercy even in the midst of adversity. Now, this reading is a raw and honest expression of the psalmist's distress and suffering. It resonates with the struggles that we all face, right? We all face these same struggles at various points in our lives. But yet amidst the trials and tribulations depicted in this particular psalm, we find a very powerful message of hope and trust in God's mercy. See, the psalmist paints a very vivid picture of their suffering, a very vivid picture. They feel as if they are drowning in deep waters, right? They're overwhelmed by the enemy. The enemy is seeking to destroy them unjustly. Their cries for help left them weary with dry throats, failing eyes, right? This imagery, right? This imagery of distress is something that we can all relate to when we are facing our own challenges. And believe me, we are definitely facing our own challenges. Make no mistake. And the psalmist acknowledges that God knows their foolishness and sins, and yet they still turn to God with unwavering trust. Why? They're seeking his mercy. This is a powerful reminder that no matter what our mistakes and shortcomings are, God's mercy is always available to those who sincerely seek it. Key word, sincerely seek it. Sincerely is the key word there. You have to be sincere. It cannot be shallow. And the psalmist speaks of bearing reproach and shame for the sake of God. Now, this highlights the idea that living a righteous life can sometimes bring persecution and challenges. However, it also reflects the noble commitment to stand for God's truth and righteousness, even in the face of adversity. And then you also look at it here. We have a plea for deliverance and justice throughout the psalm. The psalmist pleads for deliverance from their troubles and for the justice against their adversaries. And their prayers express a deep longing for God's intervention and salvation. I mean, we can all relate to that, right? This should teach us the importance of turning to God during times of trouble and trusting in his ability to bring justice and deliverance. And then we also see a message here of hope and praise, despite, despite the psalmist's suffering that we are seeing depicted here. Because the psalm is concluding here with a message of hope and praise. By recognizing the importance of praising God's name, by acknowledging that God hears the cries of the poor and does not despise his prisoners, right? This reminds us that God's salvation and, and mercy are very easily accessible to all who call upon him. So overall, Psalm 69 serves as a very, very profound reminder to all of us that even in our deepest moments of suffering and distress and highest levels of anxiety, we can find strength in God's mercy. It encourages us to turn to God with our burdens, trusting in him with his justice and praising his name. And ultimately, this psalm teaches us that our faith and trust in God can sustain us through life's trials. And his mercy is always available to uplift and deliver us. So that is Psalm 69. Now, pivoting to the educational piece here. Now, like I said, not all podcasts are, are exciting and riveting, right? And full of fun, you know, uh, audio. 
have to remember part of part of becoming a self-governed people means we have to self-educate we have to research we have to read somebody uh in in, in our circle my wife and i we have uh, a circle of people that we're friends with and they just uh they sent the picture of a of a book um and i'm going to keep their name anonymous of course because they listen to the podcast they're part of the mgja but they bought a book and it is the um let me see here it is lex parliamentaria americana that's right L uh, the elements of law and practice of legislative assemblies in the united states of america that is a book that they bought why because they want to know more they want to learn it's a, again about self-education so yesterday we went through sections 14 through 17 of the judiciary act of 1789 and so just to kind of summarize what we went over section 14 this section grants the federal courts okay this is what we read yesterday and 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 the uh Judiciary Act, but I'm summarizing. So section 14, that, that section grants the federal courts, including the Supreme Court and district courts, the authority to issue various types of writs and such as writs of uh, Skyer fascius and habeas corpus, as long as they are necessary for the exercise of the respective jurisdictions and in accordance with legal principles. And it also allows justice justices of the supreme court and district court judges to issue writs of habeas corpus to inquire into the reasons for a person's detention with certain limitations then there was section 15 which empowers the federal courts to require parties involved in a trial to produce relevant books or writings that are in their possession and contain evidence related to the case section 16 states that federal courts will not entertain suits in equity if there is a plain adequate and complete legal remedy available for the same issue in other words if the law can adequately address a problem there's no need for an equitable remedy in federal court and then section 17 states that uh, this section provides federal courts with the authority to grant new trials following established legal principles in cases where there has been a trial by jury and it also allows the courts to administer oaths punish contempt of court and establish rules for conducting their proceedings as long as these rules do not conflict with federal law so now we're going to pick this back up now on section 18. so let me pull this up so section 18 and it's very well possible just for the sake of time this might have a part just depends on how far along we get here so section 18 and be it further enacted that when in a circuit court judgment upon a verdict in a civil action shall be entered execution may on motion of either party at the discretion of the court and on such conditions for the security of the adverse party as they may judge proper be stayed 42 days from the time of entering judgment and to give time to file in the clerk's uh, office of said court a petition for a new trial and if such petition be there filed within said term of the 42 days with a certificate therefore thereon from either of the judge judges excuse me of such court that he allows the same to be filed with which certificate uh, boy I cannot read today which certificate he may make or refuse at his discretion execution shall of course be further stayed 
to the next session of the said court. And if a new trial be granted, the former judgment shall be thereby rendered void. Section 19. And be it further enacted that it shall be the duty of circuit courts in causes in equity and of admiralty and maritime jurisdiction to cause the facts on which they found their sentence or decree fully to appear upon the record either from the pleadings and decree itself or a state of the case agreed by the parties or their counsel or if they disagree by stating of the case by the court. Section 20. And be it further enacted that where in a circuit court a plaintiff in an action originally brought there or a petitioner in equity other than the United States recovers less than the sum of the value of $500 or a libellant upon his own appeal, less than the sum or value of $300, he shall not be allowed, but at the discretion of the court may be a judge to pay cost. Section 21. And be it further enacted that from final decrees in a district court in causes of admiralty and maritime jurisdiction where the matter in dispute exceeds the sum of the value of $300 exclusive of cost, an appeal shall be allowed to the next circuit court to be held in such district, provided nonetheless, or excuse me, nevertheless, that all such appeals from final decrees as aforesaid from the district court of Maine shall be made to the circuit court next to be holden after each appeal in the district of Massachusetts. Now the next one's going to be a long one, section 22. And be it further enacted that the final decrees and judgment in civil actions in a district court where the matter in dispute exceeds the sum of value of $50 exclusive of cost may be reexamined and reversed or affirmed in a circuit court, holding in the same district upon a writ of error, where to shall be annexed and returned therewith at the day and place therein mentioned, and an authenticated transcript of the record, an assignment of errors and prayer for reversal with a citation to the adverse party, signed by the judge of, the, of such district court, or a justice of the Supreme Court, the adverse party having at least 20 days notice and upon like process may final judgments and decrees in civil actions and suits in equity in a circuit court brought there by original process or removed there from courts of the several states or removed there by appeal from a district court where the matter in dispute exceeds the sum or value of $2,000 exclusive of cost be reexamined and reversed or affirmed in the Supreme Court, the citation being in such case signed by a judge of such circuit court or justice of the Supreme Court and the adverse party having at least 30 days notice. But there shall be no reversal in either court on such writ of error for error in ruling any plea in abatement other than a plea to the jurisdiction of the court or such plea to a petition or bill in equity as in the nature of the demurrer, or for any error in fact. And writs of error shall not be brought but within five years after rendering or passing the judgment or decree complained of. Or in case the person entitled to such writ of error be an infant, 
Femi Covert, covert non compos mentis, or imprisoned, then within five years, as aforesaid, exclusive of the time of such disability, and every justice or judge signing a citation on any writ of error, as aforesaid, shall take good and sufficient security that the plaintiff in error shall prosecute his writ to effect and answer all damages and costs if he fails to make his plea good. So that's section 22. Now keep in mind, <clears throat> tomorrow, if we get through the next, oh, what do you got here? So we're at 23. There's quite a bit here yet. We're going to see. So there's 35 sections in total. If we get through them all, what I plan on doing tomorrow is summarizing all of this. So it makes it a little easier because I know a lot of this as I read it might be going like way over your head, right? I mean, I'll be honest with you. Some of this as I'm reading it, it's definitely going over my head to some degree. I usually have to read things two or three times over to fully comprehend it. That's just how I learn. So what I plan on doing is summarizing this tomorrow, like I did with the last few sections. So this way it kind of breaks it down in simplest terms. This way it makes it, you know, a little bit more, um, how do I want to say it more comprehensible, right? And again, you could find this, the judiciary act of 1789 on the national dash website, just FYI. So continuing on with section 23, and be it further enacted that a writ of error as aforesaid shall be a supersedious and stay execution in cases only where the writ of error is served by a copy thereof being lodged for the adverse party in the clerk's office where the record remains within 10 days. Sundays exclusive and after rendering the judgment or passing the decree complained of until the expiration of the term of 10 days, execution shall not issue in any case where a writ of error may be supersedious or whereupon such writ of error, the Supreme or a circuit court shall affirm a judgment or decree, and they shall adjudge or decree to the respondent in error just damages for his delay and single or double cost at their discretion. Section 24, and be it further enacted that when a judgment or a decree shall be reversed in a circuit court, such court shall proceed to render such judgments or pass such decree as the district court should have rendered or passed, and the Supreme Court shall do the same or reversal therein, except where the reversal is in favor of the plaintiff or petitioner in the original suit and the damages be assessed to be assessed or matter to be decreed are uncertain, in which case they shall remand the cause for the final decision. And the Supreme Court shall not issue execution in causes that are removed before them by writs of error, but shall send a special mandate to the circuit court to award execution thereupon. Section 25 of the Judiciary Act of 1789. Again, very important act. And be it further enacted that a final judgment or decree in any suit in the highest court of law or equity of the state in which a decision in the suit could be had, where is drawn in question the validity of a treaty or statute of or an authority exercised under the United States, and the decision is against their validity, or where is drawn in question the validity of a statute of or an authority exercised under any state, on the ground of their being repugnant to the Constitution, 
treaties or laws of the United States and the decisions is in favor of such their validity or where is drawn in question the construction of any clause of the Constitution or of a treaty or a statute of or commission held under the United States and the decision is against the title, right, privilege, or exemption specially set up or claimed by either party such under such clause of the said Constitution, treaty, statute, or commission may be reexamined and reversed or affirmed in the Supreme Court of the United States upon a writ of error, the citation being signed by the Chief Justice or Judge or chancellor of the court rendering or passing the judgment or decree complained of or by justice of the Supreme Court of the United States. And in the same manner and under the same regulations that the writ shall have the same effect as if the judgment or decree complained of had been rendered or passed in a circuit court. And the proceeding upon the reversal shall also be the same, except that the Supreme Court, instead of remanding the cause for a final decision as before provided may at their discretion, if the cause shall have been once remanded before, proceed to a final decision of the same and award execution, but no other error shall be assigned or regarded as a ground of reversal in any such case as aforesaid than such as appears on the face of the record and immediately respects the before-mentioned questions of validity or construction of the said constitution, treaty, statutes, commissions, or authorities in dispute. I'm going to take a break there and take a quick little sip of water. Man. That is a lot of reading, I tell you what. But we're learning stuff here, folks. All right. Section 26. Be it further enacted that in all cases brought before either of the courts, the United States to recover the forfeiture annexed to any articles of the agreement, covenant, bond, or other specialty where the forfeiture, breach, or non-performance shall appear by the default of confession of the defendant or upon demur, the court before whom the action is shall render judgment therein for the plaintiff to recover so much as is due according to equity. And when the sum for which judgment should be rendered is uncertain, the same shall, if either of the parties request it, be assessed by a jury. Section 27. Here's another little long section here. 27 and 28 and 29 are very, very long. And 30, my Lord. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, Hold on. Where did I just leave off at here? There we go. 27. Okay. And be it further enacted that a marshal shall be appointed in and for each district for the terms of four years, but shall be removed from office at pleasure, whose duty it shall be to attend the district and circuit courts when sitting therein, and also the Supreme Court in the district in which that court shall sit, and to execute throughout the district all lawful precepts directed to him and issued under the authority of the United States, and he shall have power to command all necessary assistance in the execution of his duty and to appoint as there shall be occasion one or more deputies who shall be removable for excuse me from office by the judge of the district court or the circuit court sitting within the district at the pleasure of either and before he enters on the duties of his office he shall become bound by the faithful performance of the same by himself and by his deputies before the judge of the circuit excuse me of the district court to the united states 
jointly and severally with two good and sufficient sureties, inhabitants and freeholders of such district to be approved by the district judge in the sum of $20,000 and shall take before said judge as shall also his deputies before they enter on the duties of their appointment, the following oath of office. I, so-and-so, do solemnly swear or affirm that I will faithfully execute all lawful precepts directed to the marshal of the district of under the authority of the United States and true returns make and in all things well and truly and without malice or partiality perform the duties of the office of marshal or marshal a deputy as the case may be of the district of so-and-so during my continuance in said office and take only my lawful fees. So help me God. Section 28 and be it further enacted that in all causes wherein the marshal or his deputy shall be a party, the writs and precepts therein shall be directed to such disinterested person as the court or any justice or judge thereof may appoint and the person so appointed is hereby authorized to execute and return the same. In, in, and in case of the death of any marshal, his deputy or deputies shall continue in office unless otherwise specially removed and shall execute the same in the name of the deceased until another marshal shall be appointed and sworn and the defaults of misfeasance in office of such duty or deputies in the meantime, as well as before shall be adjudged a breach of the condition of the bond given as before directed by the marshal who appointed them and the executor executor or administrator of the deceased marshal shall have like remedy for the defaults and misfeasance in office of such deputy or deputies during such interval as they would be entitled to if the marshal had continued in life and in the exercise of his said office. I have to stop here for a second and just say this. The amount of run-on sentences that I am reading here from this document is outstanding. I mean, literally one sentence has like, I swear, 10 or 12 commas, and it's just continuing and continuing, continuing. It's just, it's hard to read because I'm not used to reading something like that. It's, 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 it's insane. Continuing reading this run-on sentence until his successor was appointed and sworn or affirmed. And every marshal or his deputy, when removed from office or when the term for which the marshal is appointed shall expire, shall have power notwithstanding to execute all such precepts as may be in their hands, respectively, at the time of such removal or expiration of office. And the marshal shall be held answerable for the delivery to his successor of all prisoners, which may be in his custody at the time of his removal or when the term for which he is appointed shall expire. And for that purpose, may retain such prisoners in his custody until his successor shall be appointed and qualified as the law directs. Section 29. And be it further enacted that in case in cases punishable with death, the trial shall be had in the county where the offense was committed <clears throat> or where they, or where that cannot be done without great inconvenience 12 petite jurors at least, that would be people like you and I, 12 petite jurors at least shall be summoned from thence 
and jurors in all cases to serve in the courts of the United States shall be designated by lot or otherwise in each state, respectively, according to the mode of forming juries therein now practiced. So far as the laws of the same shall render such designation practi practical, practicable by the courts or marshals of the United States, and the jurors shall have the same qualifications as are requisite for jurors by the laws of the states of which they are citizens to serve in the highest courts of law of such state, and shall be returned as there shall be occasion for them from such parts of the district from time to time as the court shall direct, so as shall be most favorable to an impartial trial, and so as not to incur any unnecessary expense or unduly to, to bur burthen the citizens of any part of the district with such services and writs of veneer fascius when directed by the court shall issue from the clerk's office and shall be served and returned by the marshal in his proper person or by his deputy or in case of the marshal or his deputy is not an indifferent person or is interested in the event of the cause by such fit person as the court shall specially appoint for that purpose to whom they shall administer an oath or affirmation that he will truly and impartially serve and return such writ. And when from challenges or otherwise there shall be, excuse me, there shall not be a jury to determine any civil or criminal cause, the marshal or his deputy shall, by order of the court, where such defect of jurors shall happen, return jurymen de talibus circumstantibus sufficient to complete the panel and when the marshal or his deputy are disqualified as aforesaid jurors may be returned by such disinterested person as the court shall appoint section 30 we're almost there i think we're going to power through this wow section 30 is quite long i think we can do it what do you think you think we can do it i think we can do it section 30 this looks like one giant long run-on sentence. My Lord, who wrote this? All right. And be it further enacted that the mode of proof by oral testimony and ex, uh, examination of witnesses in open court shall be the same in all the courts of the United States, as well in the trial of causes in equity and of admiralty and maritime jurisdiction as of actions at common law. And when the testimony of any person shall be necessary in any civil cause, depending in any district in any court of the United States, who shall live at a greater distance from the place of trial than 100 miles, or is bound on a voyage to sea, or is about to go out of the United States, or out of such district, and to a greater distance from the place of trial than as aforesaid, before the time of trial, or is ancient or very infirm, the, the deposition of such person may be taken. De Bean, essay before any justice, and I apologize if I'm not speaking properly with the, uh, the Latin that's here, or judge of any court of the United States or before any chancellor, justice or judge of a supreme or superior court mayor or chief magistrate of a city or judge of a county court 
or court of common pleas of any of the United States not being of counsel or attorney to either of the parties or interested in the event of the cause, provided that a notion from the magistrate before whom the deposition is to be taken to the adverse party to be present at the taking of the same and to put uh, interrogatories, if he think fit, be first made out and served on the adverse party on his attorney as either may be nearest if either is within 100 miles of the place of such uh, caption allowing time for their attendance after notified not less than at the rate of one day sundays are exclusive for every 20 miles travel and in causes of admiralty and maritime jurisdiction or other cases of seizure when a libel shall be filed in which an adverse party is not named and depositions of persons circumstanced as aforesaid shall be taken before a claim be put in the like notification as aforesaid shall be given to the person having the agency or possession of the property libeled at the time of the capture or seizure of the same if known to the libelant and every person deposing as aforesaid shall be carefully examined and cautioned and sworn or affirmed to testify the whole truth and shall subscribe the testimony by him or her given after the same shall be reduced to writing, which shall be done only by the magistrate taking the deposition or by the uh, deponent in his presence. And the deposition so taken shall be retained by such magistrate until he deliver the same with his own hand into the court for which they are taken or shall together with a certificate of the reasons as aforesaid of being taken and of the notice, if any given to the adverse party be by him, the said magistrate sealed up and directed to such court and remain under his seal until opened in court. And any person may be compelled to appear and depose as aforesaid in the same manner as to appear and testify in court and in the trial of any cause of admiralty or maritime jurisdiction in a district court, the decree in which may be appealed from, if either party shall suggest to, and to, suggest to and satisfy the court, that probably it will not be in his power to produce the witnesses there testifying before the circuit court should an appeal be had and shall move that their testimony be taken down in writing and it shall so done be so done by the clerk of the court and if an appeal be had such testimony may be used on the trial of the same and if it shall appear to the satisfaction of the court which shall try to appeal that the witnesses are then dead or gone out of the United States or to a great distance than as aforesaid from the place where the court is sitting, or that by reason of age, sickness, bodily infirmity, or imprisonment, they are unable to travel or appear at court, but not otherwise. And unless the same shall be made and appear on the trial of any cause with respect to witnesses whose deposition may have been taken therein, such depositions shall not be admitted or used in the cause, provided that nothing herein shall be construed to prevent any court of the United States from granting a dedimus potestadeum to take a deposition according to common usage. And when it may be necessary to prevent a failure or delay of justice, 
which power shall severally possess nor to extend to depositions taken in perpetuum ria memoriam, which if they relate to the matters that may be recognizable in any court of the United States, a circuit court on application thereto made as a court of equity may, according to the usages in chancery, direct to be taken. And remember, I'm going to go over a summary of this tomorrow. Section 31. I think we're going to think we're going to power through this so we don't have a part four tomorrow. Um, let me see. Let me look at the time here. I think, uh, yeah, I think we got some time. We got a little time here and be it further enacted that where any suit shall be depending in any court of the United States and either the party shall die before final judgment, the executor or administrator of such decreased the uh, deceased party who was the plaintiff petitioner or defendant in case the cause of action, both by law survive shall have full power to prosecute or define any such suit or action until final judgment and the defendant or defendants are hereby obliged to answer thereto accordingly and the court before whom such cause may be depending is hereby empowered and directed to hear and determine the same and to render judgment for any or against the executor or administrator as the case may require. And if such executor or administrator having been duly served with a scarifacius from the office of the clerk of court where such suit is depending 20 days beforehand shall neglect or refuse to become a party to the suit. And the court may render judgment against the estate of the deceased party in the same manner as if the executor administrator had voluntarily made himself a party to the suit. And the executor administrator who shall become a party, as aforesaid, shall upon motion to the court where the suit is depending, be entitled to a continuance of the same until the next term of the said court. And if there be two or more plaintiffs or defendants and one or more of them shall die, if the cause or action shall survive to the surviving plaintiff or plaintiffs or against the surviving defendant or defendants, the writ or action shall not be there abated. But such death being suggested upon the record, the action shall proceed at the suit of the surviving plaintiff or plaintiffs against the surviving defendant or defendants. Section 32, and be it further enacted that no summons, writ, declaration, return process, judgment, or other proceedings in civil causes in any of the courts of the United States shall be abated, arrested, quashed, or reversed for any defect or want of form. But the said courts respectively shall proceed and give judgment according as the right of the cause and matter and, sh and law shall appear unto them without regarding any imperfections, defects, or want of form in such writs, writ, declaration, or other pleading, return, process, judgment, or course of proceeding whatsoever, except those in cases of demurrer, which the party demurring shall specially sit down and express together with his demurrer as the cause thereof. I'm just curious real quick. Let's just look up something real quick. What does this look up demur? I'm just curious what this means. Oh, let's see here. It says an objection that an opponent's point is irrelevant or invalid while granting the factual basis of the point. Okay. This was just curious. I needed to look that up real quick. All right. Uh, where, and the said courts respectively shall and may by virtue of this act from time to time amend all and every such imperfections, defects, and wants of form other than those 
only which the party demurring shall express as aforesaid and may at any time permit either of the parties to amend any defect in the process or proceedings pleadings upon such conditions as the said courts respectively shall in their discretion and by their rules prescribe section 33 and be it further enacted that for any crime or offense against the United States, the offender may, by any justice or judge of the United States, or by any justice of the peace, or other magistrate of the United States, where he may be found agreeable to the usual mode of process against offenders in such state, and at the expense of the United States, be arrested and imprisoned or bailed, as the case may be, for trial before such court of the United States, as by this act has recognized. Uh, has cognizance of the offense and copies of the process shall be returned as speedily as may be into the clerk's office of such court and together with the recognizance of the witnesses for their appearance to testify in the case which recognizance the magistrate before whom the examination shall be may require on pain or of imprisonment and if such commitment of the offender or the witnesses shall be in the district other than that in which the office is to be tried, it shall be the duty of the judge of the, of the district where the delinquent is imprisoned seasonably to issue and of the marshal of the same district to execute a warrant for the removal of the offender and the witnesses or either of them as the case may be to the district in which the trial is to be had. And upon all arrest in criminal cases, bail shall be admitted except where the punishment may be death, in which cases it shall not be admitted, but by the Supreme or a circuit court or by a justice of the Supreme Court or a judge of the district court who shall exercise their discretion therein. And regarding the nature and circumstances of the offense and of the evidence and the usages of law, and if a person committed by a justice of the Supreme or a judge of a district court for an offense not punishable with death shall afterwards procure bail and there be no judge of the United States in a district to take the same, it may be taken by any judge of the Supreme or Superior Court of Law of such state. Last two sections, section 34, this one's kind of short. And be it further enacted that the laws of the several states except where the constitution treaties and statutes of the United States shall otherwise require or provide shall be regarded as rules of decision in trials at common law in the courts of the United States in cases where they apply. And then the last section, section 35, I knew we'd get there sooner or later and be it further enacted that in all courts of the United States, the parties may plead and manage their own causes personally or by assistance of such counsel or attorneys at law as by the rules of the said courts respectively shall be permitted to manage and conduct causes therein. And there shall be appointed in each district a meet person learned in the law to act as attorney for the United States in such district who shall be sworn or affirmed to the faithful execution of his office, whose duty it shall be to prosecute in such district all delinquents for crimes and offenses cognizable under the authority of the United States and all civil actions in which the United States shall be concerned, except before the Supreme Court in the district in which that court shall be holden. And he shall receive as compensation for his services such fees as shall be taxed, therefore, in the respective courts before which the suits or prosecution shall be. And there shall also be appointed a meet person learned in the law 
to act as attorney general for the United States, who shall be sworn or affirmed to a faithful execution of his office, whose duty it shall be to prosecute and conduct all suits in the Supreme Court in which the United States shall be concerned, and to give his advice and opinion upon questions of law when required by the President of the United States, or when requested by the heads of any of the departments touching any matters that may concern their departments and shall receive such compensation for her services as shall by law be provided. And it was approved September 24th, 1789. And that right there, ladies and gentlemen, is the Judiciary Act of 1789. Yes, it was a lot of reading. Yes, it was a lot of mumbo jumbo legal law, you know, wording. And you're probably like, your head is spinning. Like what, 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 what did I just read? What did I listen to? Well, like I said, tomorrow I'm going to provide a summary of what we just read, 18, you know, sections 18 through 35, and we're going to recap why this Judiciary Act is so important. So, I think now would be a good time to end prayer. That was a mouthful. That was a lot to read, but man, oh man, what good information here. But again, this is what we need to do. It's not always fun. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that looking up all this history and reading some of this older legislation and some of these old procedures and and laws, I'm not going to sit here and say that this is the most joyful thing in the world and this is all I want to do every day, all day. Okay. I'd much rather be doing other things. But again, if we are going to ever return to self-governing ourselves and shrinking down the government to small limited government where we the people are fully in charge, we need to know these things. We need to know what was on the books before. We need to know how to proceed forward. We need to know everything there needs to be, you know, that needs to be known on how to press forward and how to run and govern a country. The military is not just going to come in after we assemble them like, okay, here you go. Here's the keys. Um, glad you did what you did. No, we have to continue to educate ourselves. We have to always be learning. Otherwise, we're going to lose this knowledge. We're going to lose this information. We're going to lose the experience also. Because if we rely only on a few people, this goes back to we need to decentralize this knowledge, right? If we rely only on a few people for this knowledge and this information and they pass away, then what the hell are we going to do? I mean, I hear Destry all the time when we talk on the phone, he's made comments saying, I wish when Robert Gilman was still alive, I wish I had the capacity to take a USB thumb drive, like a terabyte or a two terabyte hard drive, which probably wouldn't even be enough available space for the information that this man probably knew. He was, I wish I could download all the information that this man had in his mind. But guess what? Now Robert Gilman's no longer with us. Rest his soul and his wife, Marilyn. This is why we need to do what we need to do. We need to learn this stuff, read it and research it and ask questions of the people who know this information before their demise eventually comes. And hopefully it's not for quite some time, but let's face it. When God knocks at your door to come home, you and I don't have a choice in that matter. We don't have a say in that. Destry was just saying right here in the chat. This is the knowledge, what we're reading right here. This was the knowledge that a sixth grader had in the early 1800s. See, it's mind-blowing for you and I to soak in because we're not used to reading uh, text like this. We're not used to reading 
older style writing of English like this, right? This is completely new compared to what we're used to reading. See, but because we have, we're surrounded by social media, Facebook, TikTok, Netflix, Hulu, God knows whatever else, pornography plaguing the internet. They're trying to destroy our brains with this useless nonsense bullcrap. And not only that, they're also trying to get us to sin against God. So, I mean, it's like a kill two birds with one stone kind of thing. They're trying to dumb us down with all this useless stuff to entertain us, right? The bread and circus of the modern world, while at the same time try to get us to go against God and sin and lust and, um, and, and be gluttons for this, that, and the other. While at the same time creating a bunch of noise and distractions in our head so we can't hear God when he's calling us to, uh, you know, proceed further into our life with our calling that he originally had us, you know, sent here for. See, if we're being distracted and our heads are filled with all this noise and we can't hear what God's saying to us, then how are we going to live to our highest calling? Make sense? All right, I spoke enough as it is. So let's end this in prayer. <sighs> i tell you what, that was a lot. Heavenly Father, we thank you for yet another day of life and another day of good health. And I want to say thank you for allowing uh, for a successful surgery at the hands of good medical doctors here. Uh, for my mother-in-law, she got released from the hospital, so I do appreciate that. I just pray for a quick and speedy recovery for her. We thank you for all the many blessings that you bring into our lives, and we thank you for documents like this Judiciary Act of 1789. But most importantly, we thank you for the most important document that ever existed, and that is the Holy Bible. Because that is our original foundation of what we stand on and how we self-govern ourselves moving forward. And so we just ask, God, that you continuously be at our side and you always walk with us as we step forward into the unknown, uncharted territories that we are unfamiliar with. We just ask that you just help us every step of the way. Because in some cases, we have no idea what we're doing. But we do know that if we lean on you, you will have all the answers provided for us. And we thank you, Father, for giving us new days each and every day to try to get it right, to do it better. And we just pray we continue to do good. And we hope we have your blessings. And we pray all this in your Holy Son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen, ladies and gentlemen. And it's like Dusty was just saying right here in the chat. Reference back to what he talked about on less, this past Thursday's call, on the national call. You can find the recording on national-assembly.net. Reference back to what he talked about in the last national call and what he talked about yesterday here on the podcast. And if you didn't hear last night's podcast, go back and listen to it. I played the recording when he spoke from Thursday and then he, we we gave him a call up because there were some more things he wanted to discuss. And he expounded on the things that he was talking about on Thursday a little bit further last night. So go back and listen to episode 597. Okay. But this is what we have to do going forward, folks. We need to press forward with courage. We need to take it upon ourselves to learn. 
we need to take it upon ourselves to not only learn and retain this information, but we also need to have the courage to step forward and put the application where needed. We can do this. The people that listen to this podcast, I know you guys can do this. We all can do this. And Destry was just saying right here, we still, he still has more to talk about, but not at this time. People are not ready for it. And so when he thinks that people are ready for it, he'll talk more about it. But the number one thing I want to make sure everybody knows, okay, again, going back to the beginning of the show, do not think for one minute when I talk about some of these things. I'm, I'm trying to push doom and gloom. That is the last thing that I try to do here. I want to make sure you guys are prepared and ready for what's to come. Because, look, truth be told, I don't know what's going to come. I don't know when. But I know something big is coming, and we need to be ready for it. Not just on a physical standpoint, right, with money and precious metals and food and water, ammo, guns, seeds, whatever. But we need to be ready mentally. Because whatever is going to come, I want you to think about this for a minute. Imagine the tailspin that people are going to end up being in when whatever comes our way happens, I'm talking about the people who are not awake or know very little. Imagine the tailspin that they're going to be going through. At least you and I will be able to be somewhat mentally prepared. We, I mean, really, are we ever really prepared for what might be coming? I don't know. I like to think we are, but hey, then again, I also don't want to, you know, overestimate myself. All I can say is we need to lean on God, Father in heaven, for all our answers and discerning, and accept Jesus in our heart, and ask Jesus to guide us each and every day, and he will not steer us wrong. So, I hope that uh, resonates with everybody. I hope you all have a fantastic night, fantastic day, wherever you're at in the world. And we will be back here. Let's see, tomorrow's Wednesday. Yeah, we'll be back here tomorrow. Thursday is going to be a podcast-free Thursday, but we will be back here tomorrow evening. And with that, I bid you all adieu, and I hope you have an excellent night or day wherever you're at in the world. God bless, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening to His Hard Line.
Remember, ladies and gentlemen, remember, ladies and gentlemen, we are firm, we are steadfast, and we are uncompromising. The enemy has crossed that line for the last time. It is up to people like you and I to hold that line. They've crossed the line way too many times, and it is time for us to stand up this republic and get after it. We gotta do this for God. We gotta do this for our families. We gotta do this for America, for the voiceless. It's time to get after it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining the show. Get to check out the website www.hisheartline.com and if you want to know more about how to get involved with your assembly go to www.national-assembly.net that's www.national-assembly.net it's time to get active ladies and gentlemen let's go Joining us here at His Heart Line. 
see you back here next time. time.